Okay, hello and welcome. This is episode two of the Lucid Health Podcast. My name is Luke Tullock. I am your host today and always. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast so far, please leave me a rating, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff obviously helps me quite a lot and I'd really appreciate it. Now today what I want to talk about is training the general population client and again I'm going to keep this fairly brief so 15 to 20 minutes for this podcast and we'll see how we go. Uh, what I want to talk about is the primary considerations for training the general population client because as much as we enjoy thinking that we are coaches to great athletes and physique uh, competitors and that kind of thing as trainers the reality is that most of the people we see are going to be your average Joes and certainly some of them will be pretty athletic and certainly a lot of them will be in great shape and have lofty goals but at the end of the day many many of them are simply in there to do their best with what they've got which might not be much now when we're thinking about training the general population client what underscores everything is probably what you're going to anticipate me saying is compliance adherence consistency that is above all else the number one thing and to be honest that applies for advanced people too and athletes and that type of thing the difference is with the general population is that they don't have that hard extrinsic motivator that is forcing them to be there consistently because their income is not necessarily tied to their physique their uh, athletic endeavor is obviously not necessarily tied to their physique and more often than not they're trying to fit training and nutrition into their lifestyle rather than making their lifestyle about their nutrition and training like a professional athlete would the implications for this basically means that even though we may come up with some factors in research or best practice that is seen to be ideal or optimal for the best results it's often a case of just trying to match that as much as possible to the individual. So I'll give you an example. If I have someone come in uh, to see me and we want to make some changes to their diet, if they tell me that they only eat twice a day, the first thing I'm going to do is absolutely not tell them to start eating four or five times a day because straight away that's going to start putting pressure on them, uh, too much friction for them to actually adhere to that consistently. So my first move might be to stick with the two meals a day and simply focus on getting in enough protein, enough vegetables, and enough overall energy for whatever their goal tends to be. From there, you can start working on making those changes that might lead to more optimality. So for example, I personally believe that if you want to maximize muscle gain, you need as many anabolic opportunities as you can find during the day. And therefore, I think at least three meals a day is probably optimal for gaining muscle mass. And so in that case, my next move might be to start moving people more towards the meal frequency side of things. And so with this approach, we're always looking to find those points of friction and to reduce them as much as possible, especially in the early stages when the client is still getting used to whatever you're asking them to do. They're still learning you, learning your personality, learning to trust in what you're telling them. Now, with that said, there are still some optimalities in terms of what matters most for nutrition, what matters most for uh, seeing results in the gym from a strength and, and muscle growth perspective. And so we cannot ignore those. Uh, and certainly it doesn't mean that whatever they do, as long as they're consistent with it, they will get the best possible results. That's certainly not the case, although it plays a really big part in it. So if we're talking about the nutrition side of things, there are certainly some things that matter a lot more than others. And I think most people should start 
by looking at energy balance, no matter what. The energy balance scenario does not mean that you necessarily have to be counting calories by using a, a scale and entering things into an app or something like that. It does mean though that you need some form of portion control and that can take a variety of forms. It could take simply writing foods uh, down in a food diary as you eat them without weighing them. It could simply be taking pictures of your food as you eat them. It could be using the precision nutrition model where you use uh, like your hands to estimate portion sizes of various foods. And so it means that there are multiple ways of tracking uh, food intake and portion sizes with the end goal being controlling the amount of energy coming in. Fundamentally, unless this is taken care of, your client is not going to get results or they're not going to get optimal results by any stretch. So this means that we need to find the lowest point of friction for the individual in front of you. Certainly for some individuals who have uh, that personality type, tracking everything and being told exactly how much to eat may be the best way to go. There are certainly people I've worked with who have that personality type and I work quite well with that, that way of doing things. But by the same token, there are many more people out there who do a lot better with a much lower friction approach. And so something like taking pictures of their food or writing down what is in their meals each time they eat can be a really good way of addressing this because it gives them mindfulness over what they are putting in their mouth. And I find for many clients, this is enough to actually make them start eating less and losing weight without really doing anything too difficult in terms of tracking their food. Using this method, they don't even need to know what a carb is. They don't need to know what protein or fat is. They can simply have a look at what they're eating and make a decision. And most people tend to know what stuff is maybe not so healthy for them or is particularly energy dense. Um, and so I find that this form of mindfulness is a really low friction way of getting compliancy, consistency and adherence from your client from the general population standpoint. The next most important thing to think about are the macronutrient ratios, and certainly protein is the number one most important macronutrient here. The reason why is because most people tend to undereat protein, and we have plenty of data showing that whether you are trying to gain muscle or lose fat, your body composition changes are optimized when you're getting enough protein in. You tend to lose more fat and gain more muscle or at least retain more muscle in a fat loss phase if you're eating enough protein. So I think most of you probably know that, but it is really important that the client understands that as well. Usually as a trainer, we don't do the best job of explaining those basic things to clients who have never come across this information before. And so I think making that really clear to the client is another way of guaranteeing adherence and consistency. As far as the other macronutrients go in uh, carbohydrate, fat and alcohol. Alcohol is something that most people can have as part of their diet, but obviously it's very easy to binge with. So I'll, I'll talk mostly about uh, carbohydrate and fat. The ratios of this, I think should come down to personal preference for the client. Now, certainly for myself, I feel much happier eating more carbohydrate. My wife's a little bit different and tends to gravitate more towards fat. So she's really happy having um, a lot of butter on things. She loves cream and sour cream and that kind of stuff. And for me personally, I tend to gravitate towards sweeter stuff. So I like uh, fruit a lot more. I tend to like muesli a lot more, bread, that kind of thing. Um, and using these uh, types of foods and understanding what your client prefers rather than what you prefer them to have is a great way of making sure that they still have some stuff in their diet that they enjoy. And that means that you're going to guarantee their compliance and consistency again. 
Now, I do think there's some evidence that there are people who respond genetically better to a higher fat diet or a lower fat diet, higher carb diet, lower carb diet. However, as a trainer with a client in front of you, it's not really up to you to make that sort of decision. We don't have the tools yet with genetics to actually do this on an individual scale yet, although that will probably come pretty soon in the future. So for now, my advice in this realm is basically to go off of client preference. And I think you'll probably find that most people will err a little bit more towards either fat or carbohydrate, but most people will probably end up being at a moderate level of both of those. So the sort of classic 30, 30, 40 split between protein um, fat and carbs is probably pretty close for most people and it makes it quite comfortable. It means you don't have to necessarily go hunting for a lot of low fat stuff so that you don't go over your fat allotment. It doesn't mean that you have to seek out really uh, carb dense foods that are quite lean, for example. Once you've got all that stuff sorted, it really comes down to, again, sticking mostly to client preference. After that, I like to think more about food quality. So where are those, uh, those macronutrients coming from? Are the carbohydrates going to be simple carbohydrates or complex carbohydrates? And this is really where most of our health uh, concerns come in. You can get really lean eating KFC. Uh, I've seen people do it um, just because they stick to the energy balance equation and they get their macronutrients more or less right. However, that's not a path to great health. So fat composition, carbohydrate composition, and the source of your protein can start to matter after you've got everything prior to this sorted out. I tend to prefer having uh, as little saturated fat as possible because most people will naturally get quite a lot of saturated fat out of their, their diet, especially if it's heavy in proteins such as uh, dairy and animal proteins. And so getting some plant fats, the monounsaturated polyunsaturated fats is really of a lot of importance for most people's health. That means focusing on things like olive oil and other plant oils, for example, focusing on things like nuts, although those can be really easy to overeat, so you just be careful based on the person, uh, and, and focusing primarily on those things, and not going too much towards the butter, the coconut oil, and that kind of stuff, which has tended to be a little bit more of, uh, a little bit more in vogue lately in the industry. And certainly we can't talk about this without talking about fiber as well. So fiber and resistant starch is really important for health. And therefore I think trying to have most of your carbohydrate coming from things like fruits, vegetables, and starchy sources is ideal. But generally what I tend to do is allow a certain amount of food to come from quote unquote junk sources, whether that's just sort of really sugary sources or you know whatever the client wants really. And again, there is research showing that if you have part of your diet uh, be a personal choice where you have a bit of wriggle, wiggle room to do what you like, you get better adherence to the diet. So having something like 10 or 15% of overall food intake being completely up to the client's uh, choice is a really, really good idea to guarantee compliance and consistency. Following on from that, we like to look at meal frequency, how many meals they have during the day and how spaced apart are those meals. Also where you're positioning those macronutrients around training and sleep and things like that. Now for most people, this doesn't really matter much at all. Like I said before, I'm pretty happy if people wanna try and maintain or uh, focus on their muscle mass as much as possible to simply eat three times during the day and get in enough protein and enough energy. And that will be it really. Uh, if you really wanted to optimize things, I think having somewhere between three to six meals a day is really ideal for muscle gain. Going more than that, has some implications for um, how often we can actually stimulate protein synthesis from a chemical signal in the muscle. 
Uh, and going fewer than that, like I said before, limits your anabolic opportunities. There's just not that many opportunities for you to signal to the muscle to grow if you go on a really low eating frequency. Having said that, for some clients, something like an intermittent fasting protocol um, can be really helpful for portion control. So I certainly wouldn't completely rule that out. And again, I think uh, catering to the client's needs in that regard is a really important thing to do as well. I've certainly had a lot of clients who have had a lot of success controlling their hunger and their satiety by simply fasting until mid-morning or lunchtime and then only eating two large meals for the rest of the day. And I really think that uh, because it's allowed them to control their, their energy intake, uh, that's overall given them the best possible results. Whereas it might have been very difficult for them to uh, stick to that foundational pillar of managing their energy balance if they hadn't done the fasting. So you've got to, you know, obviously cater to the client in front of you and their personality and what they've found works for them. So you might have noticed by now I haven't mentioned supplements once and that's for a very good reason. Some of the supplements I personally use are protein powders to help people hit their protein targets. This can be quite handy for people who are very busy or for people who train first thing in the morning and don't feel like eating or for vegans who find it difficult to get in enough protein. Um, I also use creatine. I think that has a really good track record and is useful for everybody in every situation. Uh, aside from that, I don't think there's a lot of supplements that do a whole lot. Taking something like a multivitamin just to cover your bases may be a good idea, especially for vegans. Uh, having something like a fiber supplement can be helpful for some people who find it difficult to eat enough fiber, but I would say that's more an issue of their diet than anything else. And finally, I think having something like a fish oil or an omega-3 supplement if you don't eat much fish would be a really good idea for most people too. Aside from that, I don't think there are very many valuable supplements. Probably the only other one I would choose is something like melatonin to help with sleep, but we'll do a separate podcast on that. So supplements uh, for me are often a waste of time and money, and I would rather spend the time, money, the effort into getting a better diet, basically. If I'm spending $40 or $50 a week on supplements, I'd rather turn that into better quality food, to be perfectly honest. Now, on the training side of things for the general population, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to be said here other than you need to make sure that your client enjoys what they're doing so that they keep coming back. I think that's pretty obvious. You also need to do enough for them that they're actually getting an adaptation. I think there are too many people out there that are you know, just unable to push themselves uh, through that discomfort barrier to actually get much of a gain. Now, remember, we're in the gym because we're trying to create an adaptation. So there needs to be some kind of stress to adapt to. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting your time in the gym. Now, there are hundreds and thousands of different ways you can program for people uh, to make sure that they are getting the health benefits. I would have a mixture of resistance and aerobic training for ultimate benefits. But again, we're trying to make sure that people basically do their exercise no matter what it is. So I'm not going to speak too much on that. One point I do want to make is that general activity is probably the most overlooked thing on the planet as far as benefiting your health. General activity means that you should not be training super hard for 45 minutes and then sitting on your ass for the rest of the day. We have uh, a lot of things that happen when we move around. So if you have mobility issues, guess what? It's probably because you're in the same posture all the time. There is no such thing as a bad posture. There's only such thing as a posture you spend too long in. Secondly, for blood glucose control, insulin sensitivity, you don't necessarily need to make someone eat low carb and take diabetic medication. If you simply have them get up and move around more often throughout the day, 
you get plenty of benefit of blood glucose mobilization and use. This is a really great trick to improve insulin sensitivity. If you're sitting at a desk, all you need to do is stand up and remain standing for a couple of minutes and your blood glucose mobilization goes up because all of a sudden your muscles are having to work a little bit. And finally, NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So unplanned exercise is super important. Now, I know a lot of coaches that prescribe step counts every day for their clients, and I think this is a really good way to go. When we're programming for the general population, one of the biggest things they need is general movement because it helps with energy expenditure, blood glucose mobilization, etc., etc., improves the mobility. But at the same time, they also need stress relief. Now, if they come into the gym and they're training really hard and adding another stressor on top of things, they probably are getting some health benefits. But at the same time, shouldn't we be doing something to help mitigate their stress that they feel in the modern world? I think something as simple as a 20 minute walk outdoors is unbelievably helpful for mental health. You start to get your steps up so we get greater energy expenditure and blood glucose mobilization, like I said before. And so the client generally feels better, sleeps better, has greater mental health. And this is a really important part of training in the gym, um, as well as keeping their exercise activity up outside of the gym. It's such a massive part of health. So I think as trainers, this is something that we really need to encourage and keep on top of and help provide accountability to the clients about. So when you're talking about training with your clients, whatever you end up doing with them, Make sure it's something that they enjoy, that they can stick to, but I would also emphasize that they should be moving as much as possible. Uh, this helps a lot with people uh, who have pain from injuries as well, by the way. It helps with their mental health, it helps with their general health, their energy expenditure, and all the big pillars of their nutrition. So that's something that I would definitely be looking into. At this point, I don't think there's too much else to talk about as far as general population goes. I mean, we could easily go into all of the nuance of training, all of the science that's out there on everything, and I will do so in future podcast episodes. But like I said, I want to keep these podcasts short and punchy, and hopefully it's given some of you a little bit of food for thought out there. Uh, I guess the underlying uh, theme of this entire thing has been adherence, compliance, consistency, um, making sure that you're catering to the client and reducing friction points. But at the same time, you are the boss. <laughs> you're, they're paying you to tell them uh, what to do. And you do have to make sure that you play your role in that sense there. All right, guys, that will finish us up today. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, again, please uh, rate it, subscribe, share with your friends. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with me, luke at lucidhealthcoaching.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Luke Lucid Health. I would love to connect with you. Please feel free to send in any questions or comments um, and I'll continue to pump out the podcast over the coming weeks. So I'll see you soon.